All right, welcome to episode two of Theologize. I am excited to be doing this. Um, last week we talked about morality and whether it was relative or objective and morality actually being a good um, a good tool for proving the existence of God. This week we're switching gears a little bit and we are going to be talking about grace versus works and legalism and what is legalism. So we're going to be answering those questions and sort of talking about our personal experiences and how we grew up and and what the Bible really says about those things. So today on my podcast, I have another guest, another good friend of mine. His name is Mark Trofsky. Um, met him a few years back and we've sort of hit it off and had great conversations. Um, so Mark, would you introduce yourself? And I know that you run a coffee roasting company with your brother. And if you could talk about that a little bit, that would be awesome. Sweet. Uh, Dave, thanks for having me. Um, super excited to actually be chatting with you. We always have a good time. So hopefully this this is just as good. Um, yeah, so I run a coffee roasting company called Mirror Coffee Roaster. That's M-I-R-R-O-R. Everybody's like, hey, is that me? How, how do you, is it mirror? Like the mug? No, no, it's like reflection mirror. But, uh, but yeah, we, I run that uh, company with my brother, Sergi, and we kind of base the company on the fundamentals of like, not only do we like high scoring, amazing coffees, but we also think that coffee brings people together and where, where coffee can be brought together. Uh, there's an opportunity that we can let the gospel impact people's lives. And one way that we're doing that is actually through some direct, very intimate relationships in Indonesia with coffee farmers. Um, and yeah, we actually recently have heard from our contact, uh, the missionary, the full-time missionary there recently. And he's he had like an insane experience with uh, this farmer where this farmer showed up and was like, hey, for the last couple of years, I've been having dreams of this man showing up in my dream and saying, I am the beginning and I'm the end. And I'm, and he's like, how, he's like, how do I, um, how do I, how do I make sense of this? And, and that was just an opportunity for our buddy there to essentially share the gospel, share about Jesus. And this is in villages where, they actually, when you say Jesus, they have no idea who that is. And so that's just a little snippet in there. Um, it's been in f a fantastic journey since uh, started late 2019, early 2020, um, right before the, the fun pandemic that just hit us. So um, yeah, that's kind of what I do. Yeah. And I, I've tried the coffee personally, yeah, the coffee personally, and uh, taken on camping trips. That's been my um my go-to for your coffee and it is good this is not an advertisement by any means for mirror coffee roasting but it is good coffee um and i love the mission of what you guys are doing i think um doing what you love to support the gospel and support um people in the world is just uh you know it's fire that's the only way to describe it it's like a really good cause so thank you for doing that mark and and sergi um so i want to switch gears a little bit and today we're going to be talking about a really heavy hitting like this is a heavyweight topic right it, it surely is very very like we were talking about this before we we got started and we're like this is there is no way we're gonna fit this in the 30 minutes and we're debating if we're gonna 
I need a part one, two, three, or maybe a part 15 <laughs> when it comes down to this. But Honestly, what it feels like we're going to need. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we might barely scratch the surface today, but that's great. That's that's just what we on Open Open as the conversation of grace versus works. Because so many people are, um, I, would, I don't want to say misinformed, but uneducated on the difference uh, where grace comes in versus where where works are needed um yeah and let alone not just uh that there's like an education issue here and being informed but it's also like how do we practically live that out in a way where um where we can apply what it means to actually live a life uh that's kind of guided by grace and by faith um and what that actually practically looks like and not just knowing about it right and so we're going to try to dig into that. <laughs> Pray for us. <laughs> yeah. But um, I want to start with this. I, I really want to start talking about legalism because it's a word that's thrown around a lot. And I don't know if it's always thrown around in the thrown out in the right way, but it's just thrown out. Like when you're not in agreement with something, you're throwing out this word. Oh, that's legalism. Oh, one hundred percent. And oh, that's legalistic. That's like that's like I try to pray every single morning. That's my that's like a habit. That no, I'm, but you're I'm being legalistic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's what we want to talk about today. Is like, what's the divide? Um, and so we're gonna quote this guy. Well, I am personally. His name is Gial Sitzer. Interesting name, but he's actually here from Spokane, Washington, and um, he wrote an article. Um, and in his first statement on legalism, he says the act of putting law above gospel by establishing requirements for salvation beyond repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And I I do think that is a great descriptor for the word legalism is because that's what it is. It's you're putting law as more important than gospel in your own life and, and that and that's not necessarily talking about the law of the old testament but it's talking about what you have made law what you have taken and made a like i need to follow this otherwise you know i'm am in deep doo-doo and the gospel becomes less prominent in your life yeah it's some actually just taking um something and making it a requirement and I think that's that's the issue is that a lot of these things that maybe we might touch up on um, in this podcast is that they're actually not bad things um, and they're not bad things to stand for. But the issue, uh, I think, the yeah, the issue, the problem is when we start taking these good things and making them requirements and saying, if you don't do X, Y and Z, you're. Uh, you're either losing your salvation or that doesn't mean you're actually saved or um, you have to actually do those things first in order to be be saved. Um, and yeah, that's 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 where we run into some issues. And, and that's what I love it where he says at the end of his article, he says, when these realist, ritualistic, moral, doctrinal, experimental, and political propensities are forced to become Christian essentials. They undermine the once for all work of Christ and alienate other Christians. And that's a big problem that a lot of churches have is we kind of, these people don't exactly believe the same doctrine that we do. So we don't really want to incorporate them. 
Um, so they alienate these other Christians um, who approach the Christian faith from a different, though equally legitimate, perspective. Um, and Reinhold Neighbor suggested that to recognize that believers are fallen creatures and must therefore, therefore in humility, stay close to the cross is the antidote to this legalistic mindset. And I think that's great because we're realizing that we're dependent on the saving work of Jesus Christ and his blood and his grace. And through Christ are we made right. And it's nothing of our own. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I totally agree with all of that. Uh, I think that's spectacular. And um, my question is also, though, I want to ask you is that, uh, if we're talking about legalism, um, then we've defined legalism. I'd also want to ask you, like, how would you define, I guess, the gospel? Because that's in his first thing that you quoted. Um, he talks about legalism as contrary being to uh, just as contrary being to just the gospel. So I Does think that we're talking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think if we're talking about the gospel, we're talking about that it's you know, we, uh, Jesus came to not obliterate the law, but to fulfill it. And so the only way for Jesus to fulfill the law was to give himself up the only perfect good, you know, lamb of God being that was the God himself being sufficient to make the sacrifice. Only something holy could, could fulfill that mission. And we're talking about legalism is essentially saying that we are able to somehow in one way or another provide saving qualities to our life and the gospel says no there's nothing that you could do outside of jesus to save yourself but only full dependence and trust on jesus could be a saving factor for you and so i think that's where legalism becomes contrary to the gospel is it says can you do it on your own in one way or another? Or do you need Christ to fully do it in your life? Yeah, that's that's awesome. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying either you do either you go by the law and save yourself, or you fully go by Jesus and let him save you. Yeah, exactly. And that that just reminds me of Romans when Paul is saying, Hey, listen, if uh you're doing things by the law. Um, if you break one, you've broken them all. So in a sense of saying, hey, if you want to do this law thing, then you go 100% and you have to be 100% on par with it. Or the contrary, or you just say, hey, I can't do it, which if you, unless you're sleeping under a rock and you have never picked up a Bible, you know that the Bible is pretty clear that humanity has already tried. And to a certain extent, we've all tried actually. Uh, being perfect, being good, being um, somehow trying to earn that salvation. Um, but the contrary of that is just saying, actually, I rather rest on the work of Jesus, the, fi the finished work of the cross that says, hey, Jesus has already done this. He's walked through it. And I get to take what he has done and just put that on myself. I get to enjoy the fruit of his labor, not necessarily my labor. No, that's great. I actually, that reminds me because I used to go to these K 
camps, these Christian camps every summer as a, a youth teen. And somehow every summer I would like get super convicted at the service and run to the front weeping. Um, and, and that kind of takes the opposite side of what you're saying is like, Jesus has already done the finished work. You don't need to keep going up and asking him for forgiveness every single summer when yeah. he's already or, done that. Yeah. Or, I mean, uh, like, I'm kind of confused about like the concept of rededicating your life. I get, uh, I, I get the concept and I get the, the feeling and the emotion behind it. And I get the, um, I get, I, I get the intention. Like, I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, sound like a jerk or say somebody's wrong, but I'm just saying like, I understand the intention, but, uh, in the end, it's like, Hey, if you've just dedicated your life and you've agreed that there's no other way than with Jesus, then uh, what you're needing is not actually rededication. What you're needing is just a renewal of your mind. It's changing the way how you see your life, how you see the life of those around you, how you see the finished work of the cross. It's uh, getting a little bit more informed about those things and actually educating yourself on what the cross is. What did Jesus actually accomplish is what you're in need of, not a rededication, not simply... I need salvation all over again, you know? Um, but, but yeah, like I do, I do understand the intention behind it, the heart behind, you know, going up as a teenager every summer and asking for repentance. That's great. And I think oftentimes like I, like what, and that also actually brings up the whole conversation of like, a lot of those things are good. They, they are good. It's, it's okay to be moved and touched by the spirit of God. It's okay to feel remorse or, some kind of sorrow about maybe some of the things that you did wrong. Or, you know, I think Jesus said, he's like, uh, the sorrow of this world is death to your bones, but godly sorrow brings about repentance. So um, it's okay to, you know, if you're a teenager and you're repenting every summer, that's great. You know, it's spectacular. But just know that your salvation doesn't hang on that. That's not the defining moment. Right. And this, and so that's the biggest reason I want to bring you on and talk about it this week is um, that's hard. If you've been told your whole life that what you do sort of hinges on your salvation. Um, I know that I've heard stories of people growing up in church where they will literally say, um, if I go out, you know, arguing, having argued with my parents and I leave the house knowing that I was saved before I left and argue with my parents, disobeyed, quote unquote, left the house, got in a car accident, died, I would not end up on the right side of heaven. I mean, I would end up in a place outside of grace and outside of God. Mm -hmm. And that that is just that is just contrary to what everything what you were saying just now, where we don't need to be going up every week, but understand that, like you said, the finished work of Christ has been done in our life, but it's, you know, how do we start rethinking in a way, Mark, I I really would like to get your insight here and your experience. How do we start rethinking to this place of renewing our mind? Um, And how do we start thinking that Christ's saving work has been stamped on my life? Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's a loaded question. That's why we need 16 parts. (laughs) Um, But I think, Man, like um, Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. 
Um, and that's, uh, or like in Romans 8, I believe it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Um, and actually a big part of the New Testament, when you read the, the, the letters of Paul to the churches, a lot of times what he's saying is, I, of course, I, I'm saying a lot, not 100%, but a lot of times he's actually not talking about getting salvation or being saved. A lot of times he's actually talking about being renewed in your mind, is growing in the knowledge of Jesus. May the spirit of revelation dwell upon you, he says. Um, so a lot of these things, I think, to make that transitional, uh, to make that transition or even if you're like listening to this and you're like, man, I, I, I'm just curious. I want to know which, what am I actually believing? Or am, am I, am I thinking about this correctly is simply just jump into the scripture and especially the new Testament, Jesus, the gospels, also the letters of apostle Paul, and just have an open heart to saying, Holy spirit, I need you to actually teach me. And if there's something that I'm understanding incorrectly, I need you to teach me because after all, he is the teacher. He's supposed to guide us into all truth. And, and that's, I think is, is, is a big part of it. Um, for me personally, I know is like, I, I, not to say that I'm purely unlegalistic. I still find myself uh, falling into some habits or thinking that way. And I have to be like, wait, no, that's not actually how it works. And being able to uh, remind myself of what I've learned from reading scripture and listening to people, but uh, a big a big part of it was simply because there was there was a time that has came when I started listening to more uh, people share about grace, and I started to actually take salvation, and I guess not just salvation, but uh, yeah, not just salvation, but my Christian walk, my life with Jesus, and just take it into my own hands and figure out like, Hey, I'm, I need to be responsible for my faith. I need to be responsible for knowing what I believe in knowing. Um, like if I'm going to dedicate my life to Jesus and dedicate my life to this gospel thing, then I, I want to be educated in it. And it took a lot of just reading and uh, of course, spending some time in prayer and talking with other people in my community, talking with you, Dave. Um, and, that was a, a pivotal moment because what I've realized is that slowly the Holy Spirit started to realize, started to teach me, convict me, and kind of lead me in a direction that said, hey, um, maybe you're actually trying too hard for this. Maybe you're not actually fully seeing the goodness of God and the finished work of the cross. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know if that, if that was exactly what you were looking for, if I answered that, but no, that was good. And that actually leads me to the next thing I want to talk about is this divide between congregation and denomination and just, you know, whatever whatever faith background you came from, whether it was Baptist or um, Pentecostal or whether it was, um, you know, Orthodox, whatever it was, you have sort of been taught and established this doctrine. And what you were just talking about, just having conversation and actually allowing the Holy Spirit to work on you and gets outside of just thinking about doctrine for being the source of your relationship with Christ. Like that's not what's going to bring you into a relationship. It's 
getting outside of doctrine. So when I when I mean doctrine, I'm I'm talking about like should we use one cup versus like com, you know many cups for communion, or should we do infant baptism versus baptism when you're ready to take it? Like, those are doctrinal things. Should we um, endorse speaking in tongues as a as a form of evidence for salvation. Like these are all doctrinal things that I think if we weigh too heavy on, we're going to get in a bad place. And just as you were saying, and and this is what I want to lead into, um, because I think you have some good advice for people that are, I I don't want to say stuck. I don't know if that's the right word, but people that have not really maybe experienced the Holy Spirit's work in their life in those areas um, where they can break free of I, I got to get out of thinking this way and looking at other people as not saved because they're not following these same doctrinal things that I believe. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I would love your advice for those people. Oh man. Um, I mean, it would, you it, sort of, you sort of touched yeah, on it, but, yeah. but is there practical steps for people to take? Um, if they're, if they haven't had the same experiences as you. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, some practical steps, some of the stuff that I've touched up on is like actually get into the Bible, get into the scripture, get into like the New Testament um, and just read about the the life of Jesus. Take note of how he's he's. Oh, man, like Jesus is the perfect manifestation of the invisible God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. Like God himself in the flesh was literally like if this was a 21st century, he'd be having this podcast with you face to face. And just look at the writings, dive into the gospels and ask yourself, how is Jesus uh, behaving? How is he responding? How is he living amongst a group of sinners who had no concept of the gospel they had no idea how was he talking to them how was he spending time with them and that was different than how he was um i'm not gonna get in there but um but like just simply look at how he talked to you know the disciples look at simply how he talked with the woman at the well and take note of that and put yourself in the in that position. Put yourself in the position of how is Jesus going? How is Jesus? Uh, what's his heart for me? You know what I mean. And that can only come through just learning and studying those uh, the scripture, studying the life of Jesus. Um, that's what I would recommend. Um, praying about it. Ask God, like if if we believe that the Holy Spirit still speaks today, and if we believe that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be the teacher that's supposed to guide us into all truth, then we should be feel comfortable saying, Holy Spirit, am I, am I missing the point of grace? Am I miss, am I not living in the lifestyle of grace? Am I, am I being a little too, you know, legalistic? Where can I experience more freedom? Um, and then, uh, I think some cues that you can look up, uh, kind of notice in yourself is, is, is following after Jesus full of joy. Are you living a life of joy or are you constantly living a life like you have to live up to something? You know what I mean? Um, kind of analyze your joy level and then also kind of look into are you do you feel like do you feel like you're actually living a life of freedom or are 
or is living a life, your Christian life, just about doing certain things? Do you catch yourself saying, oh, if I don't do this, God's going to be angry? Or, hey, if I, I, you know, maybe you didn't pray that morning. It's okay. But if you feel yourself like you're further away from God, quote unquote, ask yourself some questions, be able to reanalyze that. And something else that I, um, which this might step on some toes, but I'm just still going to go there, is if you feel like you can say, man, I didn't show up to service this Sunday, I feel further away from God, that might be a good indicator that we should rethink some things. Yeah, like, where's our relationship outside of the church? Right. You know, even like, even saying like, oh man, I didn't pray today and you're dead tired and you go to sleep without praying that day. Saying, oh, I feel far from God. You should kind of be questioning yourself, thinking, and what I mean by that is, I know some people are probably offended already right now, but I mean more like, does your relationship with God hang on things that you're doing? Are you letting that guide you? Are you letting that feeling of insufficiency like, oh my gosh, I didn't do something. That means I'm instantly further away from God, which means there's something wrong. You know what I mean? Actually, I want to touch on that, Mark, because there was... So Adam and Eve felt far away from God when they sinned, right? Like all of a sudden they they felt naked. They were ashamed to be in front of God. And so immediately there was a distance put between them. But... With Jesus being the new Adam, right? The second Adam, the perfect work of God. The only thing that separates us from God is our shame and our guilt at this point. I mean, I'm going to interrupt you there because actually, if we look at the Genesis and Adam and Eve, they felt like they were further. They felt like they needed to go hide somewhere. And they actually felt like they had to go cover themselves up out of shame, out of guilt. That was a behavior. That was that was their way of saying, hey, I'm going to try to fix this situation on my own. I'm going to try to try to patch something up, cover something up. But we we still have to realize that God was the one that still came out seeking for them. And he wasn't going out there to go kill them go hurt them at all. He was actually saying, Adam, where are you? That sounds like an invitation. I, to me, it does. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm understanding the story wrong, but they were still actually in the presence of God. They were still in the garden. The proper response is to say, hey, sorry, I screwed up. I didn't do this correctly. That's, that, that, that's, that's the proper response. The response that we often get tied into is like covering ourselves up, trying to fix this situation, fix the issue. But that's so important for today. What, exactly what you're saying is that's what leaves us with so much shame and guilt is we're not we're, we're not good at saying I screwed up. And if we are, we're allowing Satan's lies to come to us and say like, oh, you're not worthy of Christ. But I'm covered by the blood, but not really for you. It was for the other more righteous law-abiding citizens of the gospel. Yeah. And and that's that's detrimental to a lot of the church. Yeah. 
because then it puts us it's not it doesn't just put us in a place of shame and guilt but it puts us in a place of pride when we are quote unquote following the rules of of the law oh 100 yeah because then it just feels like hey i made it here yeah i'm i made it here this is um this is i've i followed the rules i followed the narrow path you know it's all about me 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 but once again listen the gospel is not about you the bible is not about you the uh man timothy keller says uh, the bible is uh, is a foreshadowing of jesus and he is at the center of everything the story about david and goliath is not about you and the goliath that you need to kill it's jesus being the true and better david that killed his goliath jesus is the true and better adam that withstood the test in the garden Jesus is the true and better every like take a look at the story of David and Goliath when David conquered Goliath guess what guess who inherited the victory his brothers who made fun of him and they didn't do anything I think that's super good Mark unfortunately we are running out of time we are in our last minute here uh unfortunate that it's it's so short but I think we're gonna do a part two so Mark I'll have you back on the podcast Anyways, I want to thank you guys for listening to episode two of Theologize. Um, if you guys want to get yourself some good coffee, go check out Mirror Coffee Roasters. Um, if you're supporting them, you're also supporting a good cause. You know, I hope that this message today has been beneficial for someone, especially um, in a place where they feel like they need some extra thing to get into their walk with God. When God is knocking, as Mark said, he's in the garden already inviting you. Um, Episode two, Theologize. God is waiting. Episode three coming out next week. Thank you guys for listening.